You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 233A by Rudolf Steiner. Two small lecture cycles. One is called Rosicrucianism and Modern Initiation, Mystery Centers of the Middle Ages. And the second one that I am on is called The Easter Festival and the History of the Mysteries, which is four lectures. I'm on the third one, which is Lecture 9 in this entire book of ten lectures. Translated by Mary Adams and Frederick Amrine. Lecture 9 is given in Dornach on the 21st of April, 1924. In order to carry further the matters I have dealt with in the last two days, I would now like to refer to the astronomical aspect of Easter. In order to do this, it is necessary to allude to some of the facts connected with the so-called mysteries of the moon. During all those ages in which we were aware of the wisdom of the mysteries, the mysteries of the moon were spoken of, and these were connected with human nature insofar as we are part of the whole cosmos. For we must clearly realize that humans with their complete beings are dependent on the whole cosmos, just as we are dependent on the earth as regards our physical bodies. Now the years of materialism have brought in their train a complete loss of consciousness on the part of humanity of the spirituality existing in the wide spaces of the cosmos as revealed in the formation of the constellations and in the movements of the stars when these are planets. No trace of this consciousness has remained beyond the outward observance of the stars and the calculation of the movements of the planets. When we observe how all this is studied according to the ideas of modern astronomy, it strikes us as being exactly the same as if one were to study the human physical organism, completely unconscious of the fact that it is permeated with soul and spirit, keeping before us only the conditions of measure and the external relationships of movement of this organism, and forgetting entirely that in the relationship of measure and of movement the soul and spirit find expression. In humans, an undivided psychic and spiritual nature comes to expression, held together by the ego. But in the organism of the whole universe, spiritual perception finds the expression not of a single undivided soul and spirit, but of a multiplicity, an immeasurable, boundless multiplicity of spiritual beings, who reveal themselves in the grouping of the stars, in the movement of the planets, through the light streaming from the stars, and so on. All this multiplicity of spirituality living in the stars is related inwardly to humanity in the same way as those things are related to us which, from an earthly side and throughout the whole realm of nature, provide us with the means of sustenance. But the closest connection between humans 
in the universe has to do with what is called the mystery of the moon. When the moon is observed outwardly, it is seen in its relation to the earth to be in a state of metamorphosis or change. At one time it is seen as a full luminous orb. We look again and see that only a part of it is luminous, a half, then a quarter. We also have that state of the moon in which it is entirely withdrawn from external sight, the state which we call that of a new moon. Then we have again the return of the full moon. All this is explained nowadays by merely saying that in the moon we have a body moving in space which is illuminated by the sun from different directions, so that to us it seems to assume different forms. But with this we have not exhausted what the moon does for the earth, and more especially what it does for humans on the earth. We must clearly understand when we look at anything so apparently physical on the surface as the full moon is, that what it here presents to us in its physical aspect is something entirely different in that physical aspect from what the new moon presents to us, which, because of the relative connection of worlds, it cannot do directly and physically. And we must not think when the moon does not show itself that its powers and activities are not present. Because of the relationship of the heavenly bodies we know, now it is new moon. The moon certainly is invisible. But because of this, it is present in a more spiritual way than when we see its physical light at the time of the full moon. So, the moon is present at one time physically and at another time spiritually. We have, therefore, a constant rhythmic alternation between a physical and a spiritual manifestation of the moon. If we really wish to understand what is brought about through this, we must turn back to those facts already known to you through statements made in my book titled The Secret Doctrine. We have to recall what is said there. The moon was once within the earth. It belonged to the body of the earth. It left the earth and became what might be called a neighboring planet. It has therefore split off from the earth and now circles around it. It showed influences exercised by it on humans while it was still connected with the earth. Humans were, of course, entirely different beings when they lived and evolved on an earth that still had the moon within it. Since the withdrawal of the moon, the earth has been impoverished in respect of the qualities of the moon. Since that time, we have been maintained in our lower parts by other forces, by purely earthly forces, not by earthly and lunar forces. On the other hand, those forces which, so long as the moon was within the earth, worked on us from within, have now, since its withdrawal, worked on us from the moon, that is, from outside. We can therefore say, the forces of the moon streamed at one time through humans. They encountered first their limbs, their feet and legs, then streamed upward from below. Since the departure of the moon from the earth, these have worked in an inverse direction, from the human head downward. 
thereby the lunar forces have had an entirely different task for humanity than they had before. In what way did this task show itself? It became evident through our having a clearly defined experience on descending from pre-earthly to earthly existence. When we have passed through the period between death and rebirth and have been acquitted of everything regarding the things affecting our soul and spirit during that period, we turn our attention to the descent to earth, to the union with what, in a physical, corporeal way, is to come to us from our father and mother. But before, with the help of our ego and astral body, we can find the means for union with the physical body, we must be clothed with an etheric body that we attract to ourselves out of our cosmic surroundings. This occurrence has been fundamentally changed since the time of the moon's withdrawal from the earth. Before the moon's departure, when someone, having completed life between death and a new birth, drew near to earth again, they had need of powers by which they could organize the ether, which was dispersed through all the surrounding universe, around ourselves, our ego and astral body, into the form of an etheric body. These powers we acquired on our approach to earthly existence from the moon, which was then one with the earth. Since the moon's departure, we have acquired the powers necessary for the formation of our etheric body from outside the earth, in fact from the departed moon, so that immediately before our entrance into earthly life we have to have recourse to what lies in forces of the moon, to something cosmic, in order to construct our etheric body. Now, this etheric body must be so constructed that it has, as it were, an outer and an inner side. See plate 11. Let us try to picture in a quite diagrammatic way how the etheric body is formed. It has an outer and an inner side, so that we realize we have to construct it both outwardly and inwardly. In forming the outer part of the etheric body, we require the forces of light. For besides other substances, the etheric body is, principally, formed of streams of cosmic light. Sunlight is not fitted for this. Sunlight cannot supply the power which enables us to form our etheric body. For this purpose, light is needed that has shone from the sun on to the moon and has been reflected back from the moon again. And through this, the light has become radically changed. All the light coming from the moon and streaming from it out into the cosmos contains powers which enable us, when coming down to earth, to construct the outer side of our etheric body. On the other hand, what streams spiritually from the moon at the time of the new moon sends into the cosmos the forces we need for the construction of the inner side of our etheric body. Therefore, our power to form the outer and inner sides of our etheric body depends on the rhythm between the periods of bright external moonshine and the dark of the moon. What the forces of the moon are thus able to bring about in us 
depends also on this, that the moon is not the mere physical body about which modern natural science makes fables, but that it is permeated through and through with spirit, that it is indeed composed of a plurality of spiritual beings. I have explained on many occasions how it was that the moon separated at one time from the earth. It was not only physical substance that passed out into the cosmos, but I explained how those ancient beings who lived at one time on the earth, not in any kind of physical body, but in a spiritual form, how they were the original teachers of humanity and withdrew along with the moon into cosmic space, and that there they established a kind of colony on the moon, so that we must distinguish on the moon between its physical etheric and its psycho-spiritual nature. Only this latter is not a unity, but a multiplicity. The whole spiritual life of the moon is dependent on the manner in which the beings dwelling in the moon look from their lunar standpoint out on the surrounding cosmos, how they regard the world around them. And if I may express myself in a pictorial way, I might say, the spiritual beings of the moon turn their attention first to what is of the greatest importance to them, to the planets belonging to our planetary system. Everything that takes place in the moon, by which we receive in the right way the forces necessary for the forming of our etheric body, depends on the results of observations arrived at by those beings, living, as one might say, in the moon, and observing it from the planets of our surrounding planetary system, Mercury, Sun, Moon, etc. This was a knowledge that existed in certain of the mysteries, an ancient knowledge preserved in certain of the oracles of the mysteries, held that the constellations in the mutual movements of our planetary system were observed from the moon, and that, in accordance with these movements, the deeds of the beings of the moon were determined. Stress was laid on this by those who regarded the moon as the point from which, in a certain way, universal connections, having to do with the formation of the human etheric body, were determined. And these forces of the moon came to be associated in human consciousness with the forces of the other planets. We see this in the names of the days of the week, how moon equals Monday, and how the moon in its observation has to do with Mars or Tuesday, with Mercury or Woden on Woden's Day, Wednesday, with Jupiter or Thor on Thor's Day, Thursday, with Venus or Freya on Freya's Day, Friday, with Saturn on Saturn's Day, Saturday, and with the Sun itself, which does not work directly with its forces on the etheric body, but is reflected indirectly from the moon on Sunday. So we come to associate what was perceived from the moon with that which entered our consciousness regarding the relationship of the planets to different parts of time. In the centers of the ancient mysteries, something like the following was said, Remember, O man, that before your descent to earth you had need of powers that were built up by the moon through the fact that the lunar beings gazed upon the other planets of the planetary system. 
You have to thank the powers of the moon derived from Tuesday, Woden's Day, Thor's Day, Freya's Day, etc. For the special configuration assumed by your etheric body when it descended into your physical body. Thus on one side we have the rhythmic progression of the moon in periods of light and darkness around the earth. On the other side we have the impression made on human consciousness by the whole sequence of the planets and their courses. The mysteries added this to what had already been given out. Because certain moon beings could gaze on Mars, we were enabled to organize within our etheric bodies the capacity for speech. Because these beings were able to gaze on Mercury, we acquired what enabled us to construct within our etheric body the aptitude for movement. If people desire to speak in accordance with these mysteries of the moon at the present time, it is possible to give expression to them in an entirely different form. This can be done by means of eurythmy. Eurythmy develops out of speech. Having investigated the mysteries of language, by allowing the moon beings to instruct us in what they are able to observe when gazing on Mars, we make further investigations. We then notice how what we investigate changes if after having directed our observation to Mars we direct it to Mercury. Thus when we turn from what the moon beings experience through Mars to what they experience with regard to Mercury, we pass from the human aptitude for the production of sound to the human aptitude for eurythmy. This is to explain the matter in its cosmic aspect. What pours into us as the capacity for acquiring wisdom comes to us through the experiences the moon beings have with respect to Jupiter. All that permeates our souls as love and beauty we receive through the experiences that come to the moon beings from Venus. The experiences that come to the moon beings through their observations of Saturn impart to the human etheric bodies their inner warmth of soul and that from which we must be preserved, what must be repulsed, as it were, by us, so that the construction of our etheric body is not disturbed immediately before its descent to earth, is what comes to us from the sun. Thus those things come from the sun, or rather from this contemplation of the sun, against which we must be shielded by protecting powers, so that we may become beings cut off and enclosed within our etheric bodies. In this way we learn to know what takes place on the moon. In this way we also learn how the human etheric body is formed, how it is constructed when someone comes down from pre-earthly into earthly existence. The things just described are those connected with the mysteries of the moon. It is possible to speak of such things today. In certain of the ancient mysteries they were not only described but experienced, truly experienced. They were experienced in such a way that what is written below was not only known but inwardly felt. See Plate 11. Monday, Tuesday's speech, Wednesday, movement, Thursday, love, beauty, Saturday, inner warmth of soul. Sunday, Protective Forces. 
through initiation into the mysteries, of which I spoke in the last lecture, individuals could rise above mere sight by the eyes and hearing by the ears, as these are known in earthly conditions. They could free themselves from the body. They could withdraw from the physical body and live only in the etheric body. But when living thus in the etheric body, we lived with all those things of which I have just been speaking. We then lived with speech, not as formed by the larynx, but as the speech that resounds in Mars as universal language. We moved in accordance with the way Mercury controls movements in the cosmos, not with feet and limbs, but in the sense in which Mercury guides the movements of human beings. We did not attain to wisdom then with such trouble as is customary in the years of a child's education today, and which in this materialistic age is unwisdom. Rather, we live directly in the wisdom of Jupiter, because we were able to unite ourselves with the moon beings who gaze on Jupiter when we were initiated in this way. We were actually and entirely within the rays of the moon's light. We were not beings living in flesh and blood on earth. We had left the earth and dwelt as beings in the moonlight, but in moonlight that was modified and transformed by what lived in the other planets of our planetary system. During the periods of spiritual observation, someone living in such mysteries was a being of light of the moon. This must not be taken in the symbolic sense, or thought of as in any way abstract. But just as someone is aware of reality, when he goes on a journey, say to Basel and back, so one was conscious of the reality about them when they had approached the moon beings through the ceremonies of initiation. And individuals knew that they had left their physical body for a time, and with their psychic and spiritual nature had entered the light sphere of the moon, that they had been clothed with a body of light. And because united with the moon beings, they had gazed out into the wide spaces of the planetary worlds and had actually been able to perceive what is possible to discover there. And what was it they saw? The principal thing they saw, they saw other things too, was that the forces coming from the sun beings have nothing to do with the formation of the human etheric body. In observing the sun they beheld something that was disruptive to the etheric body, and they knew that none of the forces proceeding from the etheric body could be acceptable to the sun, but that such forces must proceed from the higher members of human nature, from the ego and the astral body. The sun forces could work only on these. Thus they knew that one did not look to the sun for the human etheric body, but rather to the planets. They looked to the sun for the human astral body and especially for the ego. But they realized that for the whole inner power of the ego, one must turn to the sun. This was the second fact that came to us through initiation into the recurring mysteries of the moon, the fact that in the etheric body we belong to the planetary system, and that for the forces of strengthening and permeating the ego and the astral body we must look to the sun. 
This was the second fact that came to us through initiation into the recurring mysteries of the moon. The fact that in the etheric body we belong to the planetary system, but that for the forces of strengthening and permeating the ego and astral body, we must look to the sun. The actual result of this initiation was that a person felt themselves to be one with the moonlight, but that through the moonlight existence of their own being they could gaze into the sun. They now said to themselves, The sun sends its light to the moon because it must not impart it directly to humanity. We receive the moonlight united with the forces of the planets. From these we construct our own etheric body. These secrets were known to anyone who had been initiated in this manner. By this they knew to what extent they bore the power of the spiritual sun within them. They had seen it. They had reached a consciousness of the extent to which they bore the spiritual sun within them. This marked the degree of initiation that they had gained and by which we became a bearer of the Christ, which means a bearer of the sun-being, not a receiver, but a bearer of the sun-being. In the same way as the moon, when it is full, is a bearer of the sunlight, so such a person was a bearer of the Christ, a Christophorus. Initiation to this degree was therefore an entirely real experience. And now picture to yourselves that other absolutely real experience by which we escaped from the earth and as an initiated human being rise to the existence of a being of light and think of this earlier inward human Easter experience as changed to a cosmic experience, a cosmic festival. In later times people knew nothing of this. They did not know that it was possible that we could really pass out of earthly existence into supra-earthly existence, could unite with the nature of the moon and from the moon gaze on the sun. But a remembrance of this had to be preserved, and this remembrance is preserved in the festival of Easter. The way in which all this can be experienced does not pass over into our later materializing consciousness. Instead, we are left only with an abstract conception of it. We no longer look into our own being so that we say, I can become one with the moonlight. Instead, we look to the moon, to the full moon. In those days, we looked up to the full moon and said, It is not I who evolves so as to attain that, but the earth which strives toward it. When does the earth strive toward it most? The earth strives toward it most in early spring, when the forces which were formerly with the seeds and the plants within the earth stream forth from the surface of the earth. On earth these forces become plants, but they go further. They stream forth into the wide spaces of the cosmos. In the mysteries people made use of the following images. They said, at the time when the inner forces of the earth carry what streams upward through the stalks and leaves of plants out into the cosmos, we are most easily able to attain to the solar and lunar initiations and become a Christophorus, 
for then we float, as it were, toward the moon, on the forces that in spring stream from the earth to the moon. But we have to do this at the time of the full moon, see plate 11. All this passed into the memory of the people, but it became abstract. They felt something must come to them with the full moonlight. But it was an unconscious feeling. It was no longer a clear knowledge that these people experienced. Something that was not we ourselves streamed up toward the full moon when this was the first full moon after the beginning of spring. What can the full moon do now? It gazes on the sun. That is, it gazes on it on the first day dedicated to the sun, on the first Sunday following the coming of spring. As in former times, the Christophorus looked up to the sun being from the standpoint of the moon. So the moon now gazes on the sun, that is, on what it symbolizes, on the sun's day. Thus we have, say, on 21 March, the beginning of spring. The forces of the earth then begin to sprout into space. The right moment must be awaited when the observer, the full moon, is present. Full moon falls this year on 21 March. What does the moon gaze on? The sun. The following Sunday was then fixed as Easter Sunday. It is therefore an abstract computation of time and has endured as the relic of an entirely real event of the mysteries, which took place frequently in ancient times and happened to many people. This is the truth concerning the Easter festival. Our present-day spring festival represents a certain occurrence in the mysteries that was celebrated everywhere in spring. But this occurrence in the mysteries was different from the one I described in the day before yesterday. The one I then described was that which led us to an understanding of death. I then explained that the thought of resurrection, which was made comprehensible by such means as the celebration of the Adonis festival in autumn, led them in about three days through experiencing death to a realization of resurrection in the spirit. This process of resurrection belongs really to autumn for the reason I then stated. The event I am describing today is different. It was celebrated in other mysteries and was carried out in connection with special initiations, those of the sun and moon. And this event was placed by us at a time before the beginning of life, so that we must be able to look back to a time when in certain mysteries there was knowledge concerning humans' descent from pre-earthly to earthly existence and in other mysteries, those connected with autumn, there was knowledge concerning our ascent to what was spiritual. See plate 11. But in later ages, when there was no longer any understanding of the living connection between us and the spiritual nature of the cosmos, it happened that the autumnal festival of the mystery of resurrection became simply confused with the mystery of human descent, that of the spring. In the confusion which thus arose, we see how materialism gradually entered into human evolution, and how this not only gave rise to false views, but actually produced absolute confusion in our minds regarding things in which at one time a holy order reigned. For there was a holy order in the fact 
that as autumn approached, a cosmic festival drew near, which again called attention to an occurrence in the mysteries. On these occasions it was said, Nature now becomes barren, withers and dies. This resembles the death of our physical side. But when looking at nature we see only what works destructively, something lives in us that is eternal, something that, disregarding what takes place in nature, can be seen in spirit, something that rises after death in the spiritual world. In the mystery of the spring season it was made clear to us that nature is conquered by spirit, that spirit works down again out of the cosmos, that physical life will sprout and spring again from the earth because the spirit compels it to do so. At this festival, we were not to think of how we passed through death to a spiritual life, but of how we had come down from what was spiritual. Therefore, when nature first began to stir in spring, we had to think of our descent into physical life. And when nature was in decline, then we had to think of rising to what was spiritual, to think of our resurrection. The life of the soul can be intensified in an extraordinary way when anyone thus experiences his connection with the cosmos. The carrying out of these mysteries varied in different regions. In ancient times there were some cultures that were really more autumnal and some that were more spring-like. The people of the mystery of Adonis were among the autumnal folk. The spring-like folk were connected with other mysteries, more with those I have been describing today. And only those people who, seeking wisdom, journeyed like Pythagoras from mystery to mystery, have passed through the totality of human experiences. From one mystery station where the secrets concerning autumn, the true mysteries of the sun were seen, they passed on to another, where the secrets of the spring, the lunar mysteries, could be perceived. This is why we are always told concerning the ancient, fully qualified initiates that they traveled from one station of the mysteries to another. It could be said of them that in a certain way these initiates experienced the year inwardly through its festivals. An initiate of olden times might have said, When I arrive at a place where the festival of Adonis is celebrated, I behold within me the autumn of the universe and the rays of the spiritual sun when the night of winter begins. If he came to another place where the mysteries of the spring were celebrated, they said, Here I behold the secret of the mysteries of the moon. Thus they learned to know inwardly what was connected with the real meaning of the whole year. You can gather that our Easter festival is really burdened with something that it should not be burdened with. Our Easter should really be a festival of burial, and this festival of burial had also to occur in spring, as was really the case in respect of the festival of human spirituality. It was a festival for the purpose of stimulating us to work, and was necessary for primitive humanity as summer approached. Thus the Easter festival was a festival of exhortation to work during summer, and the autumnal festival, the festival of resurrection, 
was an exhortation to strive toward the spiritual world and was celebrated at the time when work ceased in the outer world. But when we ceased from work, it was intended that we should experience in our inner being what was of greatest importance to our soul and spirit, consciousness of the eternal part of us, by looking to our resurrection in the spiritual world three days after death. When we pass in this way from earthly mysteries to cosmic knowledge, we are able to recognize the inner structure of the order of the year in its festivals. But much of what was veiled in the festivals, much of what they really contained, has disappeared. In the next lecture I shall endeavor as far as possible, and in close connection with certain stages of the mysteries, to enter more deeply into the subject which today I desire to place before you more in accordance with the connections of the heavenly bodies themselves. The end of Lecture 9